Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Whether you are just starting out or whether like, if you're like me, you've been around the world of e-commerce for a while, it's great that you're here. The goal, the aim of this show is simple. It's just to help you grow your e-commerce and digital businesses because we all love doing business online. Yes, we do. And every week to do this, uh, I simply talk to amazing people from around the world uh, and get to ask them all kinds of questions about what they know and specifically how it's going to help us develop our own business, our own online businesses. I try and have the conversation that you would have if you get to sit down and have a coffee with this person. Okay, I dig into their story, we get to ask questions, we learn principles that can help us start and adapt and grow online. Yes, we do. So that's what the show is all about. I love doing them. I genuinely do. It's a great way of networking. It's a great way to meet people. Uh, And if you enjoy the show, if you're regular to the show and you haven't done so already, I would appreciate it if you just give us a review on iTunes. If you listen to it, if you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and all that good stuff. And if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, uh, you can also watch the video version of it as well over on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page. And all of the links to today's show, all of the notes, the transcripts, everything, uh, including the links to YouTube, Facebook, Apple iTunes, all those things where you can get the podcast are available for you at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 71, because this is episode number 71. Yes, it is. So just head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 71, and you can get access to all that good stuff. Okay, on this week's podcast, we are going to be talking about why you should marry your business to a strategy and how the money will follow when you do. Yes, we are talking strategy. We are talking leadership. And if you are an entrepreneur looking for more profit uh, or any company leader who wants less risk in their business, then this, let me tell you, is definitely for you. So grab your notebooks as I get to chat with Mike Jones about this whole topic. And let me tell you about Mike. He is an experienced leader, let's say. Uh, He's an organizational psychologist, which is not actually that easy to say. Uh, He understands the need to unlock potential of leaders, teams and organizations uh, to help them overcome the complexity and the volatility of modern business. Mike's leadership skills and knowledge are grounded in an 18 year career in the British Army. Yes, That's right. He was in the British Army for 18 years, which I am super excited about to talk to him, uh, where he served actually in Afghanistan, in Iraq, uh, leading troops in very complex and hostile environments. And it was this experience, as I'm sure you can appreciate, that gave him a real understanding uh, that only when your people are empowered, engaged and aligned around your clear mission, can your team achieve its full potential? 
Accompanied by his studies to become an organizational psychologist, it has given Mike an exceptional background in leadership strategy and creating the right cultural environments for people, teams, and organizations to thrive. In other words, he's a great guy to talk to about this whole topic. Uh, so I'm going to bring him in. Let's bring him into the show. Mike, great to see you. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, really looking forward to uh, chatting with you today. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. But it's I, I love the show. I love all the people that we meet around the world. But I always love to talk to a fellow Brit. Uh, you know, it's 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 always nice on the podcast circuit to get hold of get a hold of the British guys. That's for sure. So, whereabouts in Britain are you? Currently in sunny Milton Keynes. And um, is it actually sunny, or is it grey and overcast like it is here? Uh, in Yeah, very grey and overcast. In my- <laughs> Yeah, I, can I can imagine. <laughs> I was on a virtual thing with um organization up north today, and so I just like to lie to them, say it's nice and sunny down here. <laughs> just to wind people in the north up. It's what if you're listening to the show and you're going, What are you talking about? In England, this is what happens. The people in the south like to wind up the people in the north about how much better the weather is in the south than it is in the north, which generally is quite true. There's normally at least a few degrees uh, better weather down south. And so that's what uh, we are talking about for anyone outside of the British Isles. But I'm pleased to know that you're experiencing the same weather that I am today. Yeah, fortunately. Unfortunately, it is what it is. So how long have you been in Milton Keynes? I'd settled here after I left the army. So probably about coming up to four years now. Um, three to four years. Mm. Time flies so fast, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But yeah, but I've pretty much settled down here. I'm not originally from here. I'm originally from Oxford. Um, but when I joined the army, you sort of leave your home. And uh, then when you leave, you sort of migrate to somewhere that you fancy, then I sort of just fancy come to Milton Keynes. Mm. Like the area. Yeah. I have to be honest, it's not the first, that's probably what actually is the first time anyone has ever said someone has liked the area of Milton Keynes to me. Just... <laughs> it's not like it is. <laughs> you, you must like concrete. Um, so, <laughs> you were in the army for 18 years. What made you decide to, to sign up? Oh, I really wish it was noble reasons. Like I wanted to serve my country uh, and all those, but uh, unfortunately not. There was, there was a, a part of me, because my dad was in the army, Mm. So um, I had that sort of natural attraction to it anyway. But really, I, I didn't have much options. Um, I didn't do very well at school. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I, I saw the army as a, an opportunity to sort of get away and um, give me opportunities that I don't think I necessarily would have had if I stayed around where I was. Yeah, yeah. And did you enjoy it or did oh, you enjoy that- it? No, I loved it. I, I honestly, if you if you met me before I joined the army, you would have thought, Mike, you are not going in the army. You are not suited for it. I was, um, I was, I was quite um, unfit. I was quite tubby. Well, I'm saying now, but I'm silly, so I've got probably a bit a few uh, pounds. On. <laughs> a few silly pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But I just wasn't. I wasn't your typical person that would go into the army. But I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved the the challenge of it. I loved the fact that. Um, I found the army quite simple in a way that, do you know what, if if you wanted to really do really well and excel in the army, you just have to listen uh, and apply yourself. Mm. 
uh, and it, it really is that simple. People talk about um, there's a lot of rubbish and and stuff with the army, the discipline and all that. But once you get over that and just you know what well, you, you you told me to do this, I'll I'll go do that, and that's fine. You, you can really excel and mm-hmm. create uh, create opportunities wouldn't necessarily be available to you. Is that what you found for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the way through, um, you, you you have you have loads of choices really in the army. So you can you, you can go just and just do day to day and um, do that. You have to do four years minimum. But after that, you've got loads of opportunity. If you want to go for promotion, there's nothing really stopping you. You just got to go on the courses, put yourself forward in the courses, and do really well and keep yourself fit and go there if you wanted to go. Um, well, do anything really. Um, the army where I am now uh, and the education I've got is through the army and my experiences in the army. Um, with, without that, I wouldn't have, um, have had the opportunity to become an organisational psychologist. So was it in the army that you did the whole organisational psychology training? No, not f- it's because of the army. So there was a lot of incidents um, in Afghan and Iraq that made me really ponder uh, this question, and I, and I didn't quite understand it, was why do people follow you because they want to, not because they have to? Mm. I noticed when, when we were going into really difficult situations, there was a very, very big difference between people that um, that were just doing what they told and people that actually were were had felt a shared ownership and felt that they were really part of something and they were um, trying to help you and I really wanted to know what that was so after some difficult tours I remember coming back and I was probably I think I was about 27 when I read my first proper book um, that's quite bad <laughs> saying that but yeah it's true. Um, wow. yeah you could spell fudge with my GCSEs um, <laughs> so I, I came back and I wanted to discover about leadership why is this and I started reading some normal generic books on leadership, and then I then that got me to onto psychology. So I um, started reading about cognitive psychology and taught mm-hmm. myself around uh, cognitive psychology. And then I found this whole fascinating a- uh, area around occupational psychology or organisational psychology. But um, and at this time, uh, I'd unfortunately um, been diagnosed with um, complex PTSD. So I was getting pretty much told that I can't be a soldier anymore, uh, which was which was absolutely devastating because you imagine it's everything I'd, even though I originally joined for not really noble reasons, it was just a place to go, I really found a purpose in the army. And if you spoke to anyone, I was going to be there for um, till I was old and crusty and um, <laughs> couldn't walk anymore and they've, they've had to get rid of me that way. Um, but because of that, I had no education to go really do anything, but I had a great passion. Um, so I, I wrote to a load of universities, or wrote, emailed nowadays, um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, asked, and asked them that. I've got no education, but I've got real passion. Can I, can, I come and, can I come on your courses? A lot of them said no, uh, but a few of them gave me a chance. And, um, yeah, and then eventually went through the, interview process i really found a connection with wolverhampton university they're really supportive and they let me come on their um master's course become a psychologist Mm. um 
which which I'm really grateful that they gave me the opportunity and yeah, not not looked back since. Wow. Wow. So 18 years in the army, were you did you go in as a, as a as an officer? No, no. Um I went as uh What's that phrase? Oh, no, I, I I earn my living or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I work for a living. And um <laughs> Yeah, no, I went in as um, a private soldier, and I left uh, just before I left. I promoted to start major, mm. uh, so I worked, worked my way up. I done in that eighteen years. My my intention was always to um, go to regimental start major, which is a top soldier rank, and then commission to be an officer. But now I very much joined as um, a soldier. But I was fortunate enough to be selected to um, teach at the Royal Military Academy Sanders to wow. train the officers we're one of the only armies where the soldiers teach uh, the officers to become officers that's really intriguing why 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 do we do that i think i think it's the experience mm. um, we have officers with us so every platoon would have a color sergeant or staff sergeant and then um, a platoon commander but really it's it's the experience that um, the soldiers have um, the the leadership that they've been brought up um, well, from the day as they brought up with the day that they joined the army, leadership is very much the thing it's spoken about. Um, it's embraced that everyone is a an individual leader, and then we we build that leadership up. So I think it's it really is that greater context that a soldier can give because you think by the time they're there, they've done yeah. 15, 15, 16 years um, in the army vast amount of experience so is uh, and again for those that don't know sandhurst is the how would you describe sandhurst for someone that doesn't know what it is uh, sandhurst is the royal, royal military academy it's the um the home place uh, the, the home of of our british army leadership and it's where all the potential officers come to train um over a year um over a year course um to become junior officers in the British Army. It's it's one that's always pushing the bounds of really discovering what leadership is and um, pushing the, or creating the future leaders of the British Army. So it's yeah. a very integral part to the army. Yeah, so teaching there must have been quite, quite. I don't know. I, you must have been quite proud. I don't. I don't know a better way to describe it. But it's you know I'm, I'm at Sandhurst. I'm proud I'm at Sandhurst. Kind of a deal. Oh yeah, it's it it's huge, and I don't think it really sunk in. Uh, when I was there, until that moment where you're you're on the the square, the parade square, as the commission. Mm, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you could have, you would have been with your uh, brother. And, um, and it's just, it's the next to Troop of the Colour. It's the second biggest parade in the um, that the British Army does, mm. and it's fantastic. And you see in these uh, young officer cadets that you brought in from day one, um, and and really moulded them in, giving them the confidence and the abilities to then go away to lead lead soldiers anywhere in the world. Mm. That's, that's, a, really that's a big answer for anyone. That's really interesting. Do you find, and this, there's a reason I'm asking this question. It's not a loaded question. It's going to tie into what we're talking about. Who makes the best kind of leader? Is it someone that comes into Sandhurst, say, straight from uni, or is it someone like yourself that's kind of works their way up the ranks and then they want and go and, to go and get their commission? So they start off as a soldier and then they go get their commission. Which one do you see 
or maybe it's just too generic a question, I don't know, but is there a, a pattern which says actually the best kind of leaders come from this? I think it's different type of of leader from there. There's they're two the two the same. I think if you're looking at it, you could you can go either route and have completely different outcomes. Mm. Um, but really it's it's I think it's the mindset that you go in um on those. And I think the, the, the one distinguishing factor that helps someone is, is is a leader that can display humility. Okay. Um, and I think that's what makes a difference in, in that in that scenario where someone is willing to listen and understand and to have that humility to be aware of their own strengths and limitations within the context that they're they're operating. Because we know it's it's different what context you are, your your strengths and your limitations are going to change. Mm. I've always found that going through because I trained soldiers as well. So I was at Purbright as an instructor. So I trained soldiers to become uh, or, or young young boys and girls to become soldiers. Mm. And it's the one thing that's always stuck out is the ones that are um, are willing to apply themselves and have the humility to learn and listen. That's really interesting. So humility, and these it's interesting these characteristics of they've not changed, have they, over the years? It's not like all oh, the good yeah. leaders now are the ones that can write computer code or do you know what I mean? It's, it's as as the world has changed, the principles have remained the same. It's humility and a willingness to apply yourself. I mean, it's kind of like. Yeah, we, we, I think in the um, the world of leadership and stuff like that, we all get ourselves muddled up around what is leadership and um, are leaders born or made. Um, and you can tie yourself in knots because there's if you search like what is a leader, there's a million definitions. Mm. Um, I don't think we're ever going to come to a, a conclusion. But really, it's not changed evolutionary from... Um, well, you've got to look at the premise of what a leader is. Really, it's it's about someone that can to can get a, a group of people or a team to to follow them to achieve a shared objective. Mm. Um, and all those things, it's that when we talk about leadership, it's that 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 emotional connection, that human connection. It's about inspiring them. It's about um, um, about being very clear and um, and being able to to get people to follow the, to achieve the objective you're going to. And then we muddle it further with management and we're like, oh, well, you're a manager or a leader. Well, no, it's, it's a balance mm. because in leadership, um, without um, the balance of management, you've got really inspired people who are ready to achieve things, but they haven't got the resources or support um, or tools to achieve what you want them to do. So yeah, I, I think people get themselves overly caught up and and tied up in knots around these things. But I think it's about keeping it simple. And in an organisation, I think it's very being clear. Actually, what do you define as a leader? What type of leader? What 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 principles of leadership do you really need to 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 work in the context that you're operating in? That's really really powerful stuff. Um, so a leader is someone that gets people or a team to follow them towards a shared objective, um, which I think is, uh, and we should get into this whole topic because, I mean, we're talking about strategy. The whole title is, you know, marry up your business to a strategy. So is that what you mean when you say, um, you know, when we talk about the importance of a business strategy? Let's get into that. 
So how, how does that fit in with strategy? What is a strategy? It's probably a great question to start with. Yeah, this, this is where it gets um, uh, people have got. So if you look at traditional view of strategy, what people do, and I have this argument very much today, well, discussion, not argument, discussion, um, <laughs> about, uh, about um, strategy. People, people go beyond thinking it's all about a vision and, uh, and objectives and stuff like that. But strategy is choices, okay. and I think the, the, the thing with um, with leadership and um, all those people want that there's a, a right or wrong answer. Uh, you either right or wrong. You're trying to duct it into two simple things, but it's not. Um, strategy and leadership is all about choices, and strategy um, when we look at it is really about choices around what what is it that you're trying to achieve. What, what really is it that you are trying to win at? And it, strategy came from military in how we've done things. Mm. And that really came down to a choice, a simple choice around where can we best position ourselves in this vast open area that we've got available to us that would give us the maximum competitive advantage to win. Now, turn that into business day and not in, in, in military terms. It's, it's pretty much the same. What what are we trying to win at? And what you normally find is that businesses are focused on, oh, well, I've done this last year, so let's, I don't know, double that, and that's what we're going to do this year, um, which really isn't um, maybe not the best strategy if you look at the rest of the marketplace that they're, they're in or, um, or the segment that they're in. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, they, I don't know, they made quarter of a million last year with x amount of sales um and that might sound good so looking at doubling it and doing um doing that the next year maybe sound like a good strategy but then you look at the rest of the industry and the industry actually uh, made i don't know uh, 5.5 million x amount of sales mm-hmm. in, in what they're doing so actually you think well your strategy really is 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 to basically try and do a tenth of what the potential of that market is so it's not really good. So come to it about what strategy is. Strategy is a set of choices about what are you trying to win at? Um, where is best in this in this marketplace, especially with e-commerce? E-commerce is, is a vast growing industry yeah. with relatively easy penetration into the market. Um, really relative that you don't need that much capital and resources mm. away. You're only, um, I don't know. You're only two guys in a in a garage away from disrupting the place. Uh, yeah, true, true. yeah, so it's it's really about um, looking at where where is best for you to. Uh, well, what are you trying to win at? Where where is best of, for you to, to play at? And 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 really, what can you do to to get maximum competitive advantage? So it's just about choices. Yeah, that's really interesting. So strategy then is about choices. And I love the question, and I've written it down. What are we trying to win at? Um, so how do we, if I take a step back, how do we know what we should try and win at then? Do you know what I mean? If it's if it's not just a case of, oh, let's increase our turnover or our profit, which is what everybody says, and it's very, I'll agree with you here, Mike. It's dull, it's boring, it's not very inspiring. And the only person that ever cares about you doubling your turnover is the guy that said it in the first place. 
right? And you can just see everybody's eyes as, you know, when you say, we want double our turnover, everyone around the company, their eyes just glaze over because it just becomes about numbers and making somebody maybe over there slightly wealthier, which is just not inspiring, right? So how do we how do we determine what what is a good thing to win at, if that makes sense? Mm. That's a good question. And it's it, de- it depends, right? It depends on what you want. But really, I, I, I'm a big believer in about having that clear, unambiguous purpose for the organisation. Um, and I think that's the first stepping stone into that. Having that clear purpose, organisational purpose, that really states um, what do you do and why does it matter? Because you organizations and companies uh, are created because there is a need and you have identified that need and you have created your organization to fill that need yeah. to serve people so it's about really understanding what your purpose is um what and that's a, the first step in it and then um i'm a big advocate around um uh, being uh, having great foresight so once you understand your purpose you start eliminating what you do do, and also more importantly, what you don't do, and that's a that's a good thing for about yeah. strategy. You should be very much as much as it's detailing explicitly what you do do or you, what what you want to do. It should really indicate what you don't do. So who aren't your customers, effectively? Um, and then once you have that, have great foresight. Have a look at the the industry, and um, what are those driving forces in your contextual environment. So we call it scenario planning. So really looking forward to seeing what are those key changes, those those weak signals that are happening um, in your in in your market segmentation in the next I don't know anything from ten to maybe I, I won't I won't suggest going beyond thirty five years because it comes a bit a bit crazy. <laughs> to be fair, th- be f- anything over sort of 35 days, I think most e-commerce entrepreneurs are just like, what? Or maybe yeah, 35 yeah. months. Maybe that's a little bit fairer. But yeah, that, that thing, it all depends really on your organization. So we look at e-commerce as quite a volatile environment, we call it. So actually your foresight would be a bit narrower mm. because um, what you want to really build is agility. So that really to um, to respond to be able to relearn, reorganize, um, adapt um, to the the shifts in your contextual environment. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you probably have a shorter outlook on life, but it's, it's really thinking about what, where where are the opportunities there, and then also it's thinking about where are the gaps. So, traditionally, people look at strategy and it's quite competitive. And you go, do you know what? And, and you probably see this in e-commerce world you've got a lot of duplication. Mm. You've got a lot of people trying to go for the same thing. Yeah. And and that's what strategy used to be. It used to be, right, force on force. Um, you're doing that, so I'm going to try and do that faster and quicker than you. Um, and then what we've learned is that just leads to um, the race to the bottom, right? The only way to, to compete would be to go cheaper. Yeah. So what we're saying is actually look at the um, the the... the the area that you want to play in and think about actually where where is that unique difference uh, differentiation that um we could get value from that the, the needs not being met and yeah. it's 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 looking there and how can you create value in that i think that's, that's great where you're that's looking great. at so what are that's you trying great. to win at 
Uh, I love that phrase, be clear on your unambiguous purpose. I don't know if you trademark that phrase, but you probably should because somebody somewhere listening to the show is going to go, well, that sounds like a great book title. Uh, I'm going to write <laughs> a book called Unambiguous Purpose. Uh, so I think it's a great phrase. So we understand strategies about choices. What is it we want to win at? Being clear on our purpose. I've made some notes here. Great foresight. What we do, what we don't do. Understanding our marketplace, finding those gaps. And it all sounds great, but why do you think this is important? Why do you think it's important to create this kind of strategy? I think it's important to look at where you can continue to add value that is, is not going head-on-head -head competition. So you've got mm -hmm. loads of options available to you. You, you, can, um, you can look at partnerships in that sense, if that's the way you want to go to, because you can great, create great value from... Uh, aligning to two businesses similar one to create new value but it's if you look um the e-commerce world i think where i looked last uh, a while back is i think by 2040 95 percent of purchases are going to be made online wow well what and that's huge isn't it mm. so you, the, the growth is massive so the the amount of competition and people trying to get into that space is going to be huge and you've got your giants and you? you've got your um your amazon so you're not going yeah. to go you're not going to go and compete against um the likes of amazon um they'll they'll swallow you up you're not going to get that um uh, that capital that investment that innovation um unless you do decide to partner up and you can share that mm -hmm. risk capital and innovation you do that so i think it's it's about looking at what options are there and it's not yeah. looking at going uh i can either go this one or that one um and basically suffering a mediocre option of you know one's one's a pretty poor option and one slightly better option it's about asking those those really difficult questions of the marketplace and really think about actually where what what do we want to win at and i think that's key as well i keep saying win and people will roll their eyes when they say about win, but that's really what it is, isn't it? It's about yeah, yeah. it's really is about winning. But it's being really if you roll your eyes that. at it, you're probably in the wrong business, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, and then it's 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 really looking and delving back in there. It, mm. And strategy should be fun. Um, it should be an iterative process. You should be looking at it and thinking, okay, well, um, let's let's look at this. What what can we do? Um, what what could give us the maximum value what is the need um in the um in that market space that's not being met and then thinking about okay if, if you've identified that and then looking at actually what would need to be true um mm. for us to meet that need and it might be that we just don't have the capability um or the expertise or something to to meet that need so we go back and we ask better questions yeah why not that's really interesting. I, yeah, I, I, I do love these conversations about strategy. I, we put out one of the questions that we've been asked, um, and I'll, I'll throw this out to you is, um, I'm thinking about the guy that's maybe starting his e-commerce business up, right? So, um, you, you know, it, it's sort of early doors. The question that came was, do you need a business plan before you implement your strategy? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, business plan comes 
um, in my opinion, business plan comes afterwards. And I think this is what um, what removes um, the sort of creative thinking um, around when it comes to strategy, mm. because you, you want to go it with a fresh pair of eyes. And, and I'll never recommend trying to do strategy on your own. I'd get um, diverse people around you um, to look at different angles and, and really um, explore that. And a business plan really comes afterwards because what you eventually say, you, you're essentially saying is, right, okay, so I'm very clear on my strategy. I know exactly what I want to win at. I know where I'm going to go, the channels that I'm going to reach the customer by um, and how I'm going to reach them. Um, and then when you do, you look at your, knowing that information, that's your future state. Then you've got to be really self-aware, which is another key thing for a leader uh, and an organization is look at what's your current state. And that, that gap then becomes your business plan. Mm. And that's that, that's the activity. Then those, those, if an organization, that's your change programs, that's your priorities to get yourself from your, um, current state to your future state because you know that that future state will give you the competitive advantage um in that environment you operate in wow okay now the um i'm just thinking you said that don't don't create the strategy by yourself so if you're starting out in business or you're just a you know you're doing it as a side hustle or you're by yourself does that mean strategy is beyond your reach as a single person or, or how would you do that if you were by yourself? As I know a lot of people are. Yeah, it, it's not out of your reach. Uh, you can do it. It's just that uh, we're, we're human, right? We're, we're finite. Um, we, we, we look through things in our own little worlds and definitely when you're an in, on, entrepreneur, you can think you've got the greatest idea in the world. And you've got that confirmation. I've always got those, Mike. I'm not going to lie. They're always <laughs> the best ideas in the world. Yeah. Exactly. And, but we've all got, and we should have, um, especially in, in being a leader, we should have that network around us, those, those good people, uh, those experienced people. And don't be afraid to um, reach out and, and get people involved mm. in exploring, um, exploring strategy with you. To make sure that you you get it right, and well, I say get it right that you you've made the best choices. Mm. How would you? I mean, what if you were by yourself starting out? Then what kind of people would you look for? Or does that is that a a question that depends on? Um, you talked about being self aware as a leader. So do you look for? Do you go okay? I'm not great at this, this, and this. So I'm going to find someone that's got some ideas in these areas, and get them to input on what I'm trying to do. Or is it just a case of actually there's just three or four key people you need to go and connect with, regardless of whether I'm good at it or not? Yeah, I think um, I, ideally I'd look at uh, people that are probably a bit more diff cognitive diverse to you. So people, because the, the great thing around strategy is perception mm. and frames. We want frames. So everyone's got a different frame of how they look at things. And what we don't want is a group of people with the same frame look at the same problem because you're going to get the same answer. Mm. So I'll get those, those people that are a bit different to you. Um, those, um, I think Shell calls them those, those beautiful people that are probably have got no experience in 
that organization that you're in that can can stand back and give that really objective view mm. so i think the, the more different frames you can have looking at a problem and the better you can articulate your questions um looking in there i think um that would be a good a good start okay so uh, very helpful i so a strategy then, what am I looking for at the end of this process in terms of, is it, a, is it like a one-page document I'm trying to create? Is it like a 40-page novel? I mean, what's the, do you mean, where, where am I, what am I trying to create in this process, if I can put it uh, that way? Ideally, uh, it's all about, like I said, it's all about choices. I mean, being very clear, where I see that strategy just is, is best intentions is when I see it, it's, it's over five plus five pages beyond i've seen strategy documents that are like 140 pages long you're like come on and i've seen i've seen those and i've never read them yeah that, yeah and that's the that's the that's the problem that causes great friction and that doesn't happen um and i've seen strategy with things like um we're going to be we're going to treat our customers really well well cheers for stating the obvious you, you, could, yeah. you, you know what i mean so ideally you you want um, a page no more than five pages because no one's going to read that more uh, a page of of clearly just simple clear um of, of those things like what is what are you going after how are you going after it and where are you going to go to go after it mm. i think those those really key things you've got to look at what 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 are the capabilities that we need to be able to do that? Yeah, I'm going to write that down. So what are you going after? How are you going to get it? And what was the third one? What's the route you're going to take to get there? Yeah, or yeah, where, where are you going to go to, to go? So basically, if you, you imagine our, um, our marketplace, the e-commerce is, is vast, isn't it? It's like a vast plane. Um, but then within there, they've got loads of different segmentations mm. that you can have. So it's about in that vast place, what area are you going to to go to, and 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 really break it down into there? Because otherwise, you're you're trying to do too much. You're trying to appease too many people. Yeah, yeah. And it's about really who who are your customers, um, and who are not your customers. So um, how do you how do you go about communicating this strategy? Because I mean, if I go back to what you said at the start, right? So a leader is someone that has a team follow them towards a shared objective. Um, how do you do that? How do you get people inspired to with your strategy? How do you communicate it in a way that enables people to follow you? Yeah, uh, yeah great point. And that, that is um, really key. And where you see a lot of friction happening is because the, the, the direction towards a strategy is so ambiguous. It creates diversions. Mm. So when divergence exists, that's when people start opening up their own wills and agenda and start following their own thing. So I think the, the key to it is to keep it, um, I say keep it simple, not, not, not simple in the sense that you're trying to um, dumb down something very complex, but be, be very clear in what you're, what you're saying. Um, and when, once you can be very clear and ambiguous about what you're trying to do in those, those questions, um, I always think it's really good to get back their understanding, their interpretation of actually what you're asking them to do. 
and it's allowing them to understand their choices in that. So as we go down the organization, we're not going through this really um, long list of to-dos and not-to-dos. It's, it's been very clear about what we're trying to achieve as a whole and then um, making that very clear, allowing them to um, read back their understanding interpretation so we minimize that misinformation um, transfer and then leaving it to them to understand about their choices. This presents them. So if you think about your, you've got your um, winning aspiration, which is to, I don't know, to be um, the number one in, um, God, I'm putting the spot now trying to think of a winning aspiration for the, the e-commerce world. But, you know, it could be the fact that, you know, you want to be the num number one uh, in e-commerce market for um, baby goods or something, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, and actually your your capability is going to be around agility, customer agility, understanding the needs um, and oh, understanding and anticipating the needs of your customer. Then if you go down to the customer service, you don't have to go into detail and show them exactly what they've got to do or how they're going to do it. You, you just communicate it very clear and sync what we're trying to win at, the, 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 where we're going to play at, um, how we're going to do it, how we're going to reach um, people and then allow the choices for them. So they get to their part and they're going, okay, so if that's what their intent is for us, how can we make that true? Mm. And I think yeah. that's, it's keeping it very simple. So you're talking there about um, uh, autonomy, aren't you? The, the way you're, the way I'm hearing what you're saying, Mike, is actually you create a strategy that people understand it's clear, it's compelling um, but it allows the leaders in your organization, which at this point in time may only be you, but, you know, let's assume your business is going to grow. Um, it's going to allow those to be autonomous in that area in achieving that objective. Yeah, in, in a true sense. I think um, I think autonomy or what we call it the, the Army Mission Command is probably one of the most, under, un, most overused words but most misunderstood. Yeah. Because they're going, I always go into an organization, they go, well, Mike, our people are empowered, Mike. Of course they are. I've told them they're <laughs> empowered. Uh, it's, and I'm like, all right, okay. Um, but to be truly empowered, there's, there's, there's really three main things need to be true. Mm. And that one is, uh, the first one is to have clear understanding of your, um, the organization's intent or strategy. So and what part you play in it. So you must understand what your organization is trying to achieve and what part you play into that. The other part is your constraints. So God love it, everyone has constraints. Um, even the CEO of, of, uh, of Audi has constraints. And it's understanding your constraints gives you your freedoms. And then the third element is competence in your role you are competent in, in that role to do it. So if something is to happen and to change and you've got a shift in what's happened, something's gone horribly wrong, by understanding the intent and your part to play in it and then understanding your constraints, you know what you can do to um, adapt in line with what the organisation is trying to achieve. Mm. 
Wow, that's really good. So yeah, I, and I love the phrase mission. What did you call it? Mission or command? Mission command. Uh, mission command. Yeah. That's much better than autonomy. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> Very British <laughs> Army. We have mission command. We have mission command. Um, so. So on a practical basis, right, on a practical day-to-day -day basis, what do you do with your strategy? You've got your document, you've got, you know, as your organization's growing, people have got the mission command. Um, what, how practically on a day-to-day -day basis are you managing this strategy? So it should start. So if you do it properly when you, you, you start the thing where you, you have that foresight like we talked about, you really understand the contextual environment and the transaction environment you, you're coming in. You then understand the uh, the strategy. So you, you've clearly identified, um, like we said, what you're going to win at, um, where you're going to do it, et cetera, all that stuff to form that strategy. Um, really in the part of doing that, and this is different, so it could be a large organization or you could be a very small team. It's that process starts that conversation. Because you've involved people in that, you they you started that conversation. You start to create that shared consciousness around what the organisation is trying to achieve. So, it should be something that should be an ongoing conversation. Strategy forms what we call the decision making framework. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, you you're only presented with choices. So, as things change, as things come up you should be using your strategy as a framework to make choices and decisions. So it should be practically there on a day-to-day -day conversational basis around that. But organisationally, the strategy should be aligned to the organisation or the organisation should be aligned to the strategy. And we call that strategic alignment. Uh, and it's very important for any organisation no matter what industry, size, sector, whatever, to make sure they're strategically aligned to, to ensure that you can um, best be competitive in the strategy that you've made. Mm -hmm. So we look at, uh, it starts off with purpose, our strategy, so what we're trying to win at, our core capabilities. So what, what actually do we need to be good at to win? Uh, that could be innovation. It could be uh, cost minimization, logistics. It could be anything that that you need to be good at to win. Then we then look at your architecture, so your your um, culture. And this is the, the old argument you probably heard, strategy eats, um, oh, the culture eats culture strategy. strategy for breakfast, yeah. yeah. A load of rubbish, um, absolutely load of rubbish. Uh, <laughs> That's a really interesting, why do you say it's a load of rubbish? Because they should be mutually supporting. Mm. So there's no point in having a culture that is, really um curative and um uh, you know quite free and open and you know not really autonomous when actually your strategy is about efficiency mm. it's all about um you know look at mcdonald's they're all about efficiency the last thing you want is the guy on the burger um um station to start thinking do you know what i think i can do this a lot better actually i'm going to move that over there uh, because that's and it's right, and we should open no matter what what industry you're in. You should have that that a, a place where employee can suggest and, and do that. But 
the whole thing with efficiency is that you know Matt, no matter what McDonald's you go in in the world is exactly the same, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't get any other experience than you do. It's the exact same experience. I get the same burger as you. And that's the same. If you're looking at Google or Amazon or something like that, um, there's no point in um, for them having their strategy around partnerships and creativity uh, and innovation to then have a culture which is all about hierarchy it's all about discipline it's all about efficiency they won't match so they have to be mutually supportive so the culture has to be designed to best enable you to achieve your strategy yeah not the other way around wow okay so um you talked about then obviously knowing you know your uh, what it is that you want to win at. You talked about knowing your core capabilities. You talked about um, you know the architecture and uh, what you called culture. Is there anything else that we need to think about on your on your list? Yeah, so under architecture, you still got leadership, um, um, structure, and sort of processes. How you, how you about your work? And then the final one is your management systems. So your your IT management systems, your performance management systems, how you finance, um, all, all those things have to be aligned. They have to be mutually supported. And it's, it's, it's a thing about going back and checking those to make sure that you're not getting a misalignment. So what, mm-hmm. what you tend to find, and um, this has caught a lot of people out, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you've, you've, you've hit on a, um, a fantastic idea and you grow quite quickly. And that's what happens to a lot of people, especially in this marketplace, they grow quite quickly. But then they they focus on the outcome and forget about the component parts of their business. And that creates misalignment, which creates risk in their organization. Look at people like uh, recently in the news, quite popular, um, Brewdog, um, Tesla, all those have come foul because They've grown quite quickly. Mm. They've not looked at the rest of the components of their business to make sure that that's also changed to reflect what their their strategic position is. So they got caught out with culture because their culture was very much of a a startup, all hands on deck. Everyone just does everything, and you know it's it's fast, it's furious, and done that. And then as they've grown, they've not looked at it, and it's turned quite toxic. And there's been mm. bullying because they've, they've not done it. And you always find that organizations struggle because they will look at all these elements of the business in isolation to the detriment of, of the rest, where it should be really, what is our purpose? What are we trying to win at? And then looking at the rest of the organization to make sure that's aligned to help yeah. them fulfill their strategy. Wow. Mate, there's a lot there. I, and I, I, I'm kind of thinking if I'm listening to this, um, and it's the first time I've sort of got involved in this whole idea and thinking behind strategy. Um, I mean, all the buzzwords aside, like autonomy and strategic alignment and all that sort of stuff, there's, a, there's, an, there's an awful lot of common sense, isn't there, in this whole thing? Yes. Uh, and and that's the, that's the thing that normally I, I feel like a fraud sometimes because I'm going in and talking to these people and helping organisations and I've helped um, organisations from the NHS to, to NetRebel to um, smaller uh, enterprises. Um, and, and sometimes I feel like they're looking at me going, yeah, 
that's the obvious, Mike. Um, <laughs> um, but when, but it's amazing how obvious it is, but it's very rarely um, happens because mm. we get so um, focused in on on the short terms and the BAU that we we take our eye off. Um, I, I love the phrase from um, the great General McChrystal, which is um, "eyes on, hands off." And I think that's it, it's about it's about stepping back from the fog and, and the BAU and the now. And yes, it's fun. what do you mean when you say BAU? Oh, sorry, uh, business as usual type things. Yeah, yeah. So delivering, yeah, being in yeah. the business. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about um, stepping back from the fog. And and taking that wider perspective, and there's a really um, a really posh word. It's called organisational ambax dexterity. It's really, <laughs> mate, you get an award for being able to say that. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea. But all, all, all that means is keeping um, one eye on the now that you're doing, but also being able to keep one eye on the future. Mm. How do you keep that eye so you're not um, you're, you're keeping that strategic sensitivity to the the changes in the um environment that you're operating basically so mm-hmm. that you always um are ready to respond rather than react yeah that's really great one of the questions that we've got here is um what are the main things that cause friction right and so you talked about earlier on um diversion creates friction do you mean where people but i'm, I'm sort of listening to you talk and think are there any other areas then that create fiction? And, and part of the part of my thinking here is, um, or part of my question, Mike, is um, how do you know if your strategy is right? And can you get friction in effect? Can friction come from having the wrong strategy? You're, you're going down the wrong path. And how do you recognize that and know that? Oh, that's, that's a, uh, that's a, big question there to to think about um and i i think the first thing is it really isn't a a right or wrong and it's it, it, of course there is mike because i'm not i'm not um getting money back and i suppose it's you about strategy is about taking that time to look at the choices and, and think about where to go and i think it's um really you'll get that feedback if it's starting to not be the right strategy because you will um, ideally not not gain the customers that you wanted, that you set out to do. You're not getting that, um, you're not meeting that need that you identified. So that's where you probably realise that that you either your strategy is wrong or, um, or you've not quite got the right strategy there or you haven't got the capability to meet it. Yeah. And so you I said earlier on, didn't you, that strategy actually was iterative. And so yeah. you, you, it's not set in stone. This is not like Moses putting the Ten Commandments in stone, is it? This is this is actually a five-page document which can adapt and it can move and it's alive and it's, I suppose it, it's responding to what's going on. But at the same time, it's also firm and it's it's not immovable, but it's it's fairly stubborn, I would have thought, strategy. Yeah, it, Again, it's it's been very clear on that first thing, isn't it? About what once you've identified actually what you're going for, um, um, and it's very clear, and that's what you you want and need in your organisation. Mm. Um, the rest of it is around um, what you see is the best choice at that time. 
and things can change in your your environment you you're operating in um so that makes you more adaptable people um and, and that's what you want to do you want to adapt to to meet those changing shifts so that you can meet your your intention your aim of what you want to win at people tie themselves in knots and make themselves um so um not not adaptable by making it so rigid in what they're doing they're like no we've got to do this and then this and then this and they just tie themselves up in so much um priorities and and um and to do to do lists and all sorts that they they lose sight of what they're trying to achieve mm. um, and i think that's what that's an element that causes friction is when people lose sight of what they're actually trying to achieve who who, yeah. who, who are actually uh, our customers who are not our customers and they then get themselves down into this rabbit hole where they're, they're trying to do everything and appease everyone mm. and you, you lose um sight um and this is what i love about the the army taking some of the stuff from the army is our number one principles of war is selection and maintenance of that aim and it's about understanding that as our aim that as our yeah. north star how we get there will, will depend on 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 the shifts that we encounter yeah mate listen I feel like we could keep going, but I'm aware of time on all of this. Uh, are there any books that you would recommend people read um, around this whole topic if they want to deep dive? Um, yes, I think um, a great one uh, to look at top of my head is um, Playing to Win by okay. uh, Strategy. So Roger Martin, I think he's um, a fantastic um, person. He, he makes um strategy very simple yeah uh, often uh, people look at me and think you 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 make it sound too simple that i just ask these choices and that's it uh, where's all the the work afterwards but i think uh, playing to win is a fantastic book to 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 read um i think looking at um it's on my head now um if it's if it's talk about um um like scenario planning and stuff like that there's there's always good books i'm just trying i'm looking at my uh you're looking at my, your bookshelf now you're trying to get some inspiration yeah yeah um i think if you're looking at anything to do with teamwork i look at anything by um john katzenbach yeah uh, from him um if you're looking at um or or tatten bombs a good one so teams that work um tatten bomb and salas I think if you're looking at strategy, maybe a line by Jonathan Trevor, mm-hmm. um, a really good, good, good one to look at. As loads, I, 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 my girlfriend thinks I've got an obsession with books. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I've um, discovered recently? Yeah. I've discovered an, an app. I was just checking actually to see if the book was on it. There's an app called Short Form, uh, which I I have on my phone, and um, it's it's a bit like Blinkist. It gives you an overview of a book. Um, like a one-page overview, and then it goes into a much more detailed summary of the book, like several pages of detail. And I read that before I decide if I'm now going to get the book, because like you, I've got thousands of them. And um, I tend to buy books sometimes, and there's books on my shelf. I've got, I'm sure I've never actually read that. 
I was full of good intentions when I bought it, yeah. uh, but I've not actually read it now. But no, it's good to read. My listen, thanks for your book recommendations and thanks for being on the show. Um, really, honestly, fascinating conversation, very different to the conversation we normally have uh, on the e-commerce podcast, but I absolutely enjoyed it. How do um, people get a hold of you? How do they connect with you if they want to know more, if they want to reach out? I think reach out. You can get me on uh, email, so Mike at lbiconsulting.com or get me on LinkedIn. I'm, um, I try to be very active on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love to put my ramblings on there. So please come along and see if you like my ramblings. So <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> if you search for Mike Jones, and that's quite a common name, so maybe Mike H. Jones, you, you'll see me um, on there. You'll see my picture, which is the same as the one that you showed in the introduction. Yeah. So if you see something with des- Desperate Dan Jaw, line um, <laughs> with Kion, that's me. um yeah or, or uh, you follow my company page on linkedin so i'm mainly on linkedin um which is lbi consulting and uh, you find fantastic. us on there fantastic we will of course put all the links to uh mike's linkedin profile is desperate dan jawline uh, <laughs> and um <laughs> and all of that good stuff in the show notes which you can get uh, you can get the show notes the transcript to download Uh, on the website as well so we'll put all of that in there Mike listen as I said thoroughly enjoyed this I feel like I'm just starting to scratch the surface of some quite fascinating stuff I love to talk about leadership Uh, I love to talk about strategy it's you can never in my head talk about it enough Uh, and so really appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it and genuinely really appreciate your service in the army as well but really really thanks thank you that's been a pleasure Matt I've enjoyed the conversation Awesome. Absolute legend. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'm going to oh, sort out my mouth. Sorry about that. Uh, but thank you. We'll, we'll definitely will get you back soon. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, stay safe. Appreciate it. Bud. Thank you. Take care. Wasn't Mike great? Now, I, <laughs> I genuinely love talking to people that served in the military because they have such an insight. Um, We were talking earlier on before we came live about leadership and we got into a whole separate conversation about leadership uh, and why, for example, the army is so good at leadership, uh, but other public organisations, maybe like the NHS, aren't. And do they invest in leadership as much as the army do? And why don't they? And the differences in understanding there, because Mike's worked with both organisations. Absolutely fascinating. So I kind of get the feeling Mike will be back on the show as we carry on talking about this. I love talking about it. I appreciate if you're just starting out in business, you may be thinking, Matt, what's all this talk about leadership? What's all this talk about strategy? I'm just starting out. Listen, the principles still work. Uh, and when you start out, you you know, you've got to start somewhere. Everyone starts at the beginning, don't they? And you you, you kind of, you've got to work your way up the ladder, as it were, and these principles help and they work. So do, uh, do connect with Mike. Do get in touch with him. I'm sure he'll be happy to answer any questions that you've got. Go and enjoy his ramblings on LinkedIn. Such a top guy and one that served our country for 18 years. So really appreciate that. Now, uh, as I said, all of the notes, all of the, tran- the transcript from today's show, the notes, the links, all of those kind of things you'll be able to get from our website, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 71. And you will be able to download those totally free of charge. You don't need to put any email in or any of that kind of jibe or nonsense. Uh, you can just enjoy those for free. Now, if you uh, enjoyed today's show, why don't you share it out? Why don't you just 
comment. Why don't you uh, let us know how you're getting on? Really appreciate your thoughts and ideas. Uh, it just helps us connect with more folks around the world. Uh, so I think that's it. That's it for me. Thanks for listening to the show. Make sure you come back next week. Next week, actually, uh, I'm, the live stream or well, the live recording of this show is going out on Monday because uh, I couldn't do it last week. So the next live stream is actually on Thursday uh, in a few days time. So we've got another great guest on to the coming on to the show. So make sure you connect with us so you can find out what's going on. Subscribe to the podcast, all the usual call to action stuff that I'm supposed to tell you at the end of these podcasts. I'm sure you know it all by heart. I'm sure you've heard it all a thousand times already but you know what to do uh, that's all from me thanks for being part of the show i will see you again next time bye for now you've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with matt edmondson join us next time for more interviews tips and tools for building your business online